We turn into a side street. There's a church, all white and gold, with before it a wide sunlit square with a border of pollarded trees. Dietrich tells me that this is the Puristenkirche. The church clock is striking four. It has a melancholy sound. Dietrich pulls up in a narrow street that slopes gently down from the church. He takes me through great wooden doors and into a dark arched entryway. Beyond, there's a courtyard, now entirely in shadow. We go up a flight of stone stairs and stop at a door that has panels of glass engraved with ribbons and flowers. He unlocks and ushers me inside. A woman hurries out to meet me. Stella! My dear! I'm Martha! She's younger than my mother, and rather broad and heavy and soft-looking, and her skin has a pale, doughy look, as though she doesn't get enough sun. Welcome to Vienna, my dear. She puts her arms lightly around me. Was it a good journey? She says. We were held up for a while, but otherwise very good, thank you. I'll show you around the apartment and take you along to your room. And then you can freshen up and have a rest. I know you must be tired, but first you must meet Yannicka. She calls. A woman comes from the kitchen along the hallway, wiping her hands on her apron. She looks very robust next to Marta, and there's a sheen of sweat on her skin. Her eyes are brown as autumn. I like her at once. Good afternoon, Fräulein Whitaker. I hope you enjoy your time with us. She has a warm, wide smile. Oh, I'm sure I will. Then please, call me Stella. Then I immediately wonder if I've said the wrong thing. Thank you. I will then, Fräulein Stella, she says. Yannicka comes from Hungary. She's been with us for years, says Marta. Yannicka goes back to the kitchen. Marta ushers me through the hallway. There's a chandelier with lustres that glitter like fragments of ice. I think of a storybook I have at home, with pictures by Edmund Dulac of exquisite spellbound interiors, ornate with gems and white peacocks, settings for stories of magic and curses and beasts who could turn into men. One of the pictures has a chandelier just like this one. Marta shows me into the rooms. A dining room with a gleaming walnut table. A drawing room that looks out over the street. It has heavy sofas and fat satin cushions and Chinese lamps with fringed shades of burgundy silk. She opens a further door. We call this the sun room, she tells me. It gets all the afternoon sun. It's a small sitting room with French doors that open onto a balcony. I step out. You can see down into the courtyard, where there are chalky blue hydrangeas in lead planters and a bronze fish head drips water into a small stone pool. You can't hear the street noises here, only the trickle of water and the breathy murmur of doves, turning the same phrase over and over. It's all very lovely, but I haven't seen a piano yet. I feel a flicker of anxiety. She takes me on down the passageway. 
And this, my dear, is our music room. We call it the Rose Room. It's where you can practice, she says. I step through the door. Oh, my goodness. It's beautiful, full of light and air, less cluttered than the other rooms, with no heavy carpets or fabrics to soak up the sound. There are mirrors on the walls and an exuberant painting of roses, and right in the center of the room, a magnificent Blutner grand piano. This is such a gift. I think of the upright chapel piano in the living room at home. It has a rather tinny sound, and the keys sometimes stick in the damp. A grand is entirely different. The sound so resonant, so rich. Who plays the piano? I ask her.